Hi, and welcome to this podcast with me, Gita Joshi. I am here today with Debbie Khan from Ali Jo Designs. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Gita. Thank you. It's a little bit noisy where we are today, so we'll just have to try and make the best of it. Why don't you describe your work first, if people don't already know your work from Instagram? Okay, so I source vintage plates from all the way around the UK, so I'm really looking for the one-offs, or uh-huh. ones that people don't really want, so I'm not looking for sets, or, you know, sort of beautiful pieces. It's the ones that will be at the bottom of a pile in a charity shop, or uh-huh. a boot sale, that are dusty and grotty, and sometimes chipped, and sometimes damaged. And then what I do, obviously clean them up, and then I'm looking at them as a frame for my concept idea that I will then apply as a ceramic decal, which I make myself. So I source imagery that is imagery that I'm allowed to use, Uh play around with it online, and then print it off as a decal and seal it onto the plate. Ah, so it's sourcing both the ceramics and then sourcing the images and then putting all of that together. Putting it together. So let's go back to where your your plates and things. So do you spend a lot of time in charity shops or boot fairs or where have you had your best haul? Oh, difficult question. Norfolk's pretty good. Yeah? But um, literally go around the country. I'm sure, yeah. Wherever I am, I'm always looking into a charity shop. In fact, coming here today, I was with my husband and he said, oh, look, there's a charity shop. So I haven't got time. I'm not going to walk around the plates today. But as such, I get a real buzz whenever I go into either there or a market or a jumble sale or something, because I'm tending to look for things that no one else really wants. So. Oh, of course, yeah, because you also have that body of work, which we could talk about separately, but like you said, you know, where they're chipped and things as well, right? That's right, yeah. So how did you come up with the process? Like, we, we did you originally start off drawing on the plates, or how did no, you? No, I did a, um, I was looking for something to do that was completely different from what I've been doing before, and I knew I wanted to do something creative and I've been different courses just as tasters uh-huh. to see what it might be and I was quite interested in the idea of applying print to ceramics and I went on a short course at I think it was Morley College uh, which was all about that and I just sort of made this leap with vintage plates and the idea of uh, quirky imagery which I've always loved you know, yeah a bit sort of mad with the beauty of the vintage plate just that juxtaposition and it seemed to strike a chord when I started to do it oh, people liked lovely. it <laughs> and I loved doing it and because your pet what I've noticed is your plates are nearly always in pairs as well right so when you put that you've done yeah. the applied um the d- design or the graphic on there it you know it just has this sort of whimsical sort of narrative you know usually there's a, at least a figure on there as well you know one of the uh, plates has a figure or a character so that's right I mean I, a lot of the concepts are based to work across the mm-hmm. two plates um, and what I love about that is quite often I mismatch the plates mm-hmm. I'll find a colour to link them there'll be something about them that works together but I just love the way you know the mismatch can work with the image so when I'm sourcing plates I'm tending to avoid the overly fussy it's normally with space in the middle that I know I can work with yeah when I started it was kind of any old vintage plate will do because I was just so excited about the idea of it all but as I've learned over time not any old plate will do I know now what I'm looking for oh really so it sort of narrows the search a little makes it harder but it's so exciting when I find the one and what is that that you're looking for is that something around the type of ceramic or the type of glaze that the old plate it, has it's, or it's a, it's a bit of both but very often it's a very simple art deco oh, yeah. style design on the plate um, which is usually borders and things exactly. though, right? Yeah. and then you've got the middle sometimes it's, there's a circle in the middle mm-hmm. that I can play with and do something with 
Uh, the square shaped plates I love. Yeah. Those ones that have that thing. little sort of cut out corners, exactly. don't they? And things. Yeah. If I'm doing the pair because then they sit very well across. You nice. Know, on top of each other. So when we first met, from a vague memory, actually a long time ago, when I was teaching something at Morley, and I think one of the questions you had back then, this is going back quite a few years, was around whether your work, because I think you wanted your work to sit in the fine arts space, but when you presented it to people, they naturally wanted to use them as plates, and it was more in the, what would that be, design or craft or something like that. Yeah. So how have you resolved that over the years? It's <laughs> struggle. I mean, you know, for the first time, which is very exciting, I've got an exhibition which has kind of put me into a space I've never been in because I've always only really sold at craft fairs. So I'm being seen as art there, uh -huh. which is, yes, how I like to be seen and how I make the plates as decorative pieces. But still people are saying to me, you know, I'd love to be able to use them. So the big conundrum is, do I invest in a kiln, mm -hmm. which actually in itself isn't an enormous investment. It's more where it takes me. Um, having now positioned myself and established myself doing decorative pieces, if I'm able to offer them as both, potentially that is my way forward, I think. So the exhibition that you've got on at the moment, uh, that, where is that? The Exhibitionist Hotel in That's Kensington? Right. yeah. So there, what, they've, what I've noticed there is that they've very specifically, uh, or you have, framed the artwork, you know, and it just reminded me of a Grayson Perry kind of... Thing, right, where he's like, oh, what, what makes art? It's like, okay, you put it in a frame, and you put a, and you put it in a, you know, you know, a space that calls itself a gallery, and all of that, right? So, is that the next thing? Now you just have to price it as fine art, and well, I mean, five thousand pounds a pair. I don't think I'd quite be doing that. But what's interesting is that because it is presented as an exhibition, mm -hmm. I've met as a result of that gallerists or people who are sort of looking to put art in their gallery who I'd never met before. Amazing. They were saying to me, you know, you should be charging more for this and in a frame it sort of puts it into a different league and so on. When I sell at markets, I always frame them or frame some of them because I just think it, A, it tells people how they're supposed to be used, but B, it just really helps them to stand out. So yeah. That's not new, but having this fantastic space at the hotel is brilliant just to be able to have fun with frames. And, yeah, you know, of course. They're not all in frames, but just sort of play around with it a bit. So as you're moving more into the fine art space, do you think that you will continue to do markets because that is obviously, like, artist fairs are quite different to... I know, across markets, you know, where, where do you is, see your... It is really difficult because I love some of the markets that I do. Again, it's been a journey and a learning as to which markets work best mm. for me. And I do four or five a year. Yeah. I also do a pop-up shop at West Elm. Oh, I'm going to right. do another yeah. one in November, which will be the third one I've done. And that is fantastic and it works really well, but obviously it's a very different market. So I'm struggling a little bit at the moment because this whole experience of the exhibition is one thing, but I don't want to lose sight of yeah. you know, the loveliness and customers, etc. Because mm. that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? When you do markets reasonably regularly, you do, you know, people do come to seek you out because exactly. they know you're going to be there. They exactly. can see your new work yeah. live rather than just online. That's right. And that's really important. Mm. You know, I do feel that that's beginning to happen. So do you think, because it seems to me like 
the obvious way for this would be to like have two bodies of work you know the one that you did have at the more affordable end the under 50 pound end which you to take to markets but then something else yeah that's either i don't know whatever more complex or bigger or multiple combos of plates this this that is move what to the I'm fine thinking art and sort of space. two kind of two tiers mm. right? so this is what i'm kind of mulling over at the moment yeah but i, I sort of it's great to have had the opportunity in August, which is naturally quiet, to actually yes. think about things and see how the see how it's all going at the hotel. It's running in September as well, which is good. And I know I've got a few more events lined up for the rest of the year. So I think come January, I've got to make some big decisions and then, yeah. you know, think this is my way forward and be quite clear about what it is. But I think, you know, I was talking to somebody else um, a couple of weeks ago because he was feeling a little bit disillusioned with artist fairs, even though when he's done them, he has actually made money. But it did seem for me, for that artist, like fairs were the right place. But to sort of not pressure anybody, it was like, okay, we'll use the coming season to just go and explore the different, yes. the artist fairs to see that where you might want to sort of show for, yes. you know, 20, what is it, 2019, 2019. I guess. Yes. I think that time that people need to research the right sort of outlets for their work, you know, really shouldn't be rushed, actually. And uh, the coming season, if anybody's thinking about artist fairs, it's a really great time to go and research them, see, you know, look at what the potential peer group would be and yes. all of that, isn't it? Yes, because there are two that I've sort of scouted in the past and mulled mm-hmm. over thought about applying and it's the um, alternative is it the alternative uh, the art other art fair the other art fair that's right and the affordable art fair mm-hmm. they're two that so the affordable art fair is for galleries it's not an artist fair ah right I didn't realize and but the other art fair is an artist the fair as in the artist yes. uh, you know yes. buys a stand and rep- is self-representing yeah but with that one I think you need to have a representation with the Saatchi um, well, it, now the other art fair has been bought out by Saatchi, um, Saatchi Online. Yes, I guess you do probably yeah. need to have a, a profile on the, the yeah. Saatchi Online gallery, yeah. yeah, which would probably then qualify you to then yeah. take part in their in-person events because, it, I mean, the other art fair started as its own thing, but like I said, yes, it was bought it's, it's out, bought out. And with the money from, you know, that is behind the Saatchi brand, they obviously were able to take the other art fair international as well. So, yeah. Uh, but I know a lot of people that had, you know, great success at it, both in Bristol and in London, but they also now have the fairs in at least New York and a couple of other places. So yes. it's pretty, you know, yes. it's, it's very known and it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Do you, I mean, do you have a view on whether or not I should go for something like that, the other art fair? Yeah, I think it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the other one is Roy's People Art Fair. Which one? Roy's People Art Fair. R-O-Y-S. Yeah. I heard of that. I think for Roy's People Art Fair is a really good one for you and that takes place just um, up from here, well on the south bank, recording this uh, episode, but it's just here um, and Barge House, and that is a, quite a young fair. Its third iteration happens in November of this year. I think they have closed applications now, but there is a waiting list. Oh, the next one will happen in probably spring of next year. So you could go and visit it in November. Uh, that's a really good one. They've got a lot of traction, and it's really you know good quality work. So I think you'd have to be a really nice fit yeah. there. But obviously, yeah, there are there are others as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, plenty of food for thought. So tell me about West Elm. So you had your like it was like a pop up, right? Because I know West Elm do those. That's sort of right. Things for artists yeah. And so the, the original one I did was last October at the Tottenham Court Road. Oh yeah, which was fantastic. So I literally was able to have window space, so I had my framed pieces in the window. Fantastic at and Tottenham Court so Road. Tottenham what Court great Road. footfall. Yeah. 
So that was fantastic. And then as a result of that, they well, they recently opened Kingston mm-hmm. and they invited me to do that in April. And I'm going back to do that in November. How often do West Ham have their pop-ups? Really regularly. They yeah, do something they do. virtually every weekend. They have something going on. And they're very open and supportive of makers, people, yeah. particularly from London. And they also have a they have a, like a separate area, I think, in all of their stores where they feature actual products from local artists. And so just I think they've recently opened in um, Westfield in Shepherd's Bush. Shepherd's Bush. Okay. Yeah, they got a big store there. So they've got the Tottenham Court Road, which is the original, the mm-hmm. one in Kingston, which is big-ish, and it's a really nice store. And then the one in um, Shepherd's Bush. Shepherd's Bush. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I really like that. Um, you know the concept that they have there because obviously they have their, their furniture and all their interiors things but across all their stores they do that because like, even when you sort of look online the um, US stores are having you know sort of guest designers and makers yeah. you know having yeah. their pop-ups you know in store and things like that and events as well I know I went to Emily Quinton's book launch there a few years ago they so. do they're great they're very uh, and really nice store staff so know, how would you suggest somebody um, that might be listening to this if they wanted to be part of one of their pop-ups how would they go about it did you just reach out to them do they have an application process I don't think they have an application process I'd go along and probably try to meet the events or the person that sort of runs Um, them yeah so just sort of go along probably during the week during the week probably to have the opportunity to speak to the relevant person but at the weekend to actually see the pop-ups and see them in action yeah I think it's again it was what we were just saying about first it's really good to actually go and um, research beforehand what else did I want to ask you about so let's move back to your designs where do you source your imagery or or what inspires that I mean because they seem to be images that I've often seen before because they come from image libraries yeah I mean Fauna Seti is a big inspiration Mm -hmm. for me I've always loved absolutely loved his work and so do many others and the iconic Lena Cavalieri that so many people have done so many things with. I'm afraid I couldn't resist so I'm another one jumping on that bandwagon but also even he was using these uh, royalty free images yeah. right I mean exactly. people look at that and go oh for Nassetti but it's like it wasn't actually his drawing yeah no that's right and you did, she, it's her deadpan face mm. and I found other faces Victorian faces or other faces and there's a man whose face I love again very deadpan and I quite often use him as well but it, it's graphics libraries I mean I sort of have got membership of various places and it's yeah. taken ages to build it up but um, yeah and every now and again I'll go on and sort of start to look and sometimes I think about an idea and then I look for the image other times I see the image and I think and that inspires the play yeah. Yeah. yeah oh nice and the collage as well is quite important to actually sort of manipulate a bit and play around and you know like I love collage and I love the idea of working with collage um, have you always um, like vintage images? I mean, was that always what sort of work did you produce before, or what were you dabbling in before you sort of really settled on this style that you've now? When I was uh, exploring opportunities and the sort of things that I might do, creative ideas, I did decoupage with. I've always loved ephemera. Mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it. Ephemera, yeah. yeah. So old ads and um, pieces of junk material, junk. 
leaflets and things. And I played around a lot with decoupage using those. So I got these big bamboo platters from Ikea and I made these big sort of dishes with that, which I loved, but they weren't very commercial. And each one took far too long to make for it to be sort of commercial and you couldn't really use them for much. So I sort of, it was the move from that then to the course that I did and then the idea of the vintage images. And I'm still, you know, the idea of actually applying some of those, taking photos of some of the materials that I used to use and putting them on plates. I'd play around with a bit to see what I might come up with. Because that is quite interesting, I think, just the old sort of imagery of what you can do with it. And then before that, were you, did you do any other formal training in art or design or anything like that? Not, no, no, no. Just playing I'm around I'm and enjoying it and yes. knowing that that was... I've come from nowhere. No, I mean, I've always had this creative streak in me, but I've always been... Well, prior to now, in a very sort of corporate world. Oh, really? Market research and marketing and advertising is what I used to do. So do you get that imposter syndrome? Oh, totally. Really? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's it's not good. And I try to fight it. But then I tell myself that you can be creative without being an artist. Absolutely. So I sort of stick with that. And there's no training at all, apart from these little courses I've done, which obviously help. But there's no, you know, been to art school. Right? But they're technical anyway, aren't they? I mean, they're not, you know, I mean, it is, right? We all have to sort of channel our creativity in different things, whether it's podcasts and conversations and, you know, but other people do it in website design and designing yeah. apps or whatever yeah, it is. that's right. It's, um, you know, suddenly it's when it's in the art space, people feel like, well, firstly, obviously anybody can do it, but when somebody without formal training comes along, yeah. you know, they're battling their own. Yeah. Demons. Like demons, <laughs> yeah, it's quite a thing. Yeah. No, oh, gosh. Right. It is. Um, but then I guess I've always had it, whatever I've done. You know, most sadly, women in particular do suffer from it. And yeah. Uh, you just have to deal with it and get on. And it's not like anyone has really said it to me. You know, occasionally you get the comments on Instagram or wherever, and you just think, well, okay. Oh, wow. That's mean if they're doing <laughs> that on there, but I guess it happens. So, what are the dates for the exhibition? Tell us. So, it's running now until the 25th of September and at any time free anybody can go and I know kids have loved it as well as adults because um, it's just sort of and where can people find you online? alijoedesigns.com or at alijoedesigns is my Instagram handle perfect and what, what did you say is your next um, place that people can see you live so the next other than the exhibition obviously. other than the exhibition the next one is the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of November the 2nd and 3rd or 3rd and 4th Handmade in Highgate mm-hmm. which is in a, twice a year I do that it's a lovely event and it's up at the Highgate Literary and Scientific Institute in Pond Square so I'll be there for that weekend and then it's the West Elm pop-up on the 17th and 18th in November. Brilliant. Thank you, Debbie, so much for coming on the podcast. It's been super talking to you. Thank you, Peter. Thanks and, for having uh, me. I look forward to seeing more of your work online.